Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Owning a share of the company you work for, politicians of all colours would like us to do so, but how do existing share incentive schemes actually work? Have you started your Christmas shopping yet? Jason Butler will be joining me to debate how the festive season is likely to test our financial resolve. And what do you really think of your financial advisor? FT Money is launching a major research project this week and we want to hear from you. Welcome to The Money Show, the weekly FT podcast about finance and personal investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you this week's money news. Firstly, politicians of all colours love the idea of workers earning a share in the company they work for. Now, some radical plans were outlined at the recent Labour Party conference, but very generous benefits and tax savings are already on offer to employees through existing share incentive schemes. Now, these tend to be offered only by companies whose shares are listed on a stock market in the UK or overseas. Yet, of the millions of UK workers who are eligible to take part, surprisingly few are taking advantage of the opportunity to buy shares at a discount or even receive some for free. Here to spell out the pros and cons of how the current schemes work is Lindsay Cook, FT Money's Money Mentor columnist. Welcome, Lindsay. Good morning. So let's tackle the most commonly used scheme first. Save as you earn, S-A-Y-E, also known as share save schemes. Briefly, how do they work? Well, people can um, join them for three or five years and they pay a monthly amount from £5 to £500 every month for the period. They decide at the outset whether in three years and they also get the shares offered at the initial stage at up to 20% off. So if you were going in today, you get the share at a 20% discount and then in three years time you could buy it at that price and you save regularly. There's one disadvantage at the moment there's no interest paid on the monthly payments. So they're not like a regular saver with a bank or building society. They used to be, and then the government that sets the rules for these schemes um, about a decade ago decided no more interest should be paid on them. And I'd quite like to see it restored because it makes it a one-way thing, especially in volatile markets. Last year, 67 of the schemes um, matured underwater. Shares were worth... Uh, more than 20% less than they were at the outset. And so people had put their money in for three or five years and um, then take less out in as much as uh, inflation's had its bite. So at least they're getting the cash back that they've saved, although with with interest rates rising on other savings accounts, I I, I agree it would be nice if people could get that back. But um, for the majority of schemes, 
when they ended three years or five years after the, the set period, the share price was higher than the 20% discount. Um, and some employees could potentially make a lot of money if the shares in their company has risen. Absolutely. There have been uh, companies that have been taken over recently, like Sky and others that have just done incredibly well in that their um, share price has risen very well. And you get the money, you take it out, as long as you're not making more than 11700 there's no tax to pay whatsoever. Capital gains tax comes in at that rate. But the schemes give tax advice. So if somebody is making 23000 on their investments and they've got a partner, a wife or husband or whatever, they can split the shares and both use their capital gains tax allowance or they can sell some in the next tax year as long as they've um, exercised the option at the... Um, within six months of the maturing. So that save-as-you-earn schemes, um, and I should say all of the rules are detailed in your article, which we'll give the link to in a minute, but the second um, most popular form of, um, of long-term incentive plans are share option schemes um, that many companies offer. Briefly talk us through how those work. Well, share incentive plans have to be, like the save-as-you-earn scheme, they have to be offered to all employees, part-time, full-time. It's not just for the chosen few. Um with share incentive plans, you can be given shares and, in addition, you can buy shares. And if you buy shares, you can be given up to two times as many as you have bought. So they are given shares at the outset. They're held in trust until the end of the period. But with these, the period is five years. And while older employees tend not to move jobs very often, younger employees are saying... Um, a survey by ProShare, they said one of the reasons they didn't go in for them was because, even though they were being given free shares, because they didn't think they'd be with their employer for five years. And so they're turning away free shares. And if they were brought into line with Save As You Earn and you could have the option of three or five years, it's then your choice, it would make it more even across the different age groups. Well, we'll see if there's any news on that in the, in the budget. Certainly ProShare has been lobbying quite hard for it. But then, just like the Save As You Earn schemes, the, the biggest pros and cons of these shares is that the share price in your company can go up and down. So by the time the five-year lock-up period is ended, as the Royal Mail workers have recently found out, and may not be worth as much as they once were. No, but Royal Mail still made a profit. And with shares, you have to understand that if you're watching them every day and say, oh, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up, but you don't sell, you haven't made that profit. And you have, and it's learning about how markets work. I think it's good for employees to be part of a, an employee share scheme. Some research suggests that they are more productive workers if they're part of the um, growth of the company and they're getting a benefit from it. But it's a very good entry into investing. Certainly it was the first time I ever in shares when I joined the, the Pearson share safe scheme many years ago. But the biggest risk to manage is what happens when your scheme vests. Should you take the money or sell the shares? What are your thoughts on that? Well, the most astounding fact is that Last year, 2,390 people whose share schemes ended in profit didn't get round to um, acting and getting the money in the six months permitted. They just meant to do it, meant to do it. They were reminded and they didn't do it. So that is the biggest danger. <laughs> You're in profit and you don't actually um, crystallise it. But also, I 
there's a nice problem to have. You make a stonking great profit and you then have too much of your portfolio in one share. Well, your financial advisor, even your company may advise you on how to put the shares into a SIP or whatever and then move them around. Uh, There are all sorts of tax-able ways. Um, And it's a matter of you're learning about the market, even if you've only made... 10% 10% in three years. It's still money and it's like a regular saving scheme. It goes in, it goes in, it introduces people to savings. Well, thanks very much there to Lindsay Cook, the FT's money mental economist. You can read her full article explaining how the different share safe schemes work on our website now, ft.com slash money. The shops have already started setting out their Christmas displays, and if you're anything like me, you may well have purchased a few strategic presents here and there already. But hold it right there. Jason Butler, our wealth man columnist, has been looking into how the festive marketing hype can tempt us into spending more than we need to. He joins me on the line now to say bar humbug. Welcome, Jason. Hi, Claire. So in your column, you talk about the money stories that retailers are spinning in their Christmas marketing. Can you explain what these are? Well, I mean, when it comes to money, we're all telling ourselves stories. Um, And these are the stories that we weave and uh, justify our spending decisions. And of course, the marketers understand this. And so therefore, they try and create money stories that resonate with us, that connect with us, and also bring out our impulsive spending do herself. You know, the, the sort of, so the messages would be about love and togetherness and happiness and success and achievement and how you can feel great and how if you just have this thing, you know, it's all going to be wonderful or that other people are doing better than you or that sh- surely you should be at their level. So, so money stories are both internally within us and the marketers are playing us to try and bring those stories to the fore so that we will spend more and spend with them. And how did you learn to manage your own spending habits and kind of reject the marketing bump? Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. I don't want anyone to think that I've ever lived like a monk um, and sort of a minimalist because I'm not. But what I had to do in my in my late 20s, I realised I would no matter how much you earn, unless you can control spending and also spend it in a way which is in tune with what's important to you, you can't ever really get ahead financially and also live a fulfilled life, whatever that means to you. So what I did was I, I understood that I would actually have a mad impulsive spending um, demon within me. So I, I ring-fenced a little budget for what I call blow it, or you might call it the fun fund or the mad fund or whatever. And that was my kind of ring-fenced. I could spend on anything without any justification. Um, and my wife had one as well. Uh, but the way we got control of the spending was to have three bank accounts. Um, and they are meeting the three main needs, which is the basic needs, our future needs, which is debt repayment and uh, building savings and wealth, and fun, the fun needs. So that, you know, all the extras, the holidays, the luxuries, the going out, the socialising. And what we did was we allocated at the beginning of the month to each of those accounts. And then once we'd spent that money, there was no extra. And we also use credit cards very minimally. So we might use them for a deposit for a holiday, but not the whole thing. And, you know, we wouldn't use them for just any impulsive spending. So it's three bank accounts labelled for different needs that we spent down to zero each month for the things that we thought were important. And also we held down our lifestyle spending as our income went up. Well, very interesting. And also, you know, you're in your early 50s now, but... There are lots uh, of apps. 49. 49. <laughs> older than I need to be. There, there are lots of apps available where people could could effectively have three bank accounts um, within one and manage it's, it's it online. Now, yeah, it's easier now than it was for me in the mid to late nineties. 
But here's the point. You've got to make that decision and you've got to sit down and do some hard sort of looking at what you're spending to start with. And there's nothing wrong with spending money at Christmas or any other time as long as you're deciding what you're spending rather than the retailers encouraging you to spend what you haven't got or what doesn't matter. And finally, a great point that you made in the article is that there are certain kinds of presents that you could give to your friends and family to encourage good financial habits. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's the obvious ones, giving people premium bonds or making a contribution to their their pension, which will be far, far more valuable to them in the long run. But you could also augment that, you know, don't have to just do investments like that. You could also um, make a contribution to a charity that matters to your friend or relative. Or you could leverage if they make a contribution, you could make a multiple of that contribution. Or you could agree as friends not to buy each other presents, but to pool your money and instead, you know, put it into a, a common charity that you've thought of. Um, but also you can make presents, you can recycle presents. There's all sorts of things you can do that still show that you care and you thought about someone. That doesn't mean you've got to spend lots of money you either haven't got um, or don't need to, or want to spend. Well, thanks very much there to Jason Butler, who is 49. Uh, You can read his FT Money column, Christmas is the ultimate test of your financial resolve, online now at ft.com slash money. And I think I've got a good idea, Jason, of what to get you for your 50th birthday. (laughs) Great stuff. (laughs) And finally... What do you really think of your financial advisor? Have they given you invaluable advice that's made you a tidy sum over the years? Or have they left you with the feeling that for all the expense, they haven't really added much sparkle to your finances? Well, the relationship between advisor and their clients is a topic that FT Money will be researching over the next few weeks. And we want to hear from you. Niku Asgari, FT Money reporter, joins me with the details. Welcome, Niku. Thank you. So what kind of information are you looking to find out? Well, we'd like listeners to take a short, anonymous online survey, which will allow us to be a fly on the wall inside the financial advisor's office. We want to know the issues that FT readers are currently discussing with their financial advisors, what they're concerned about and what the best advice they've ever received is. Naturally, for a financial publication, we're also interested to explore whether our readers think that their advisors offer good value for money. Okay, so in uncertain times like these, with stock markets jumping up and down all over the place and fears of a no-deal Brexit, are clients more likely to be seeking assurance from their advisors? Yeah, that's definitely true from our preliminary research before creating the survey. So one area we're keen to explore is how communication between advisors and their clients is changing. Traditionally, the model has been two face-to-face meetings a year, but new technology and the advent of robo-advice is changing customer expectations and the way that they're interacting with their advisors. Okay, so how can listeners complete the survey and get it all off their chests? Well, there's a short online survey and it should take no more than five to ten minutes to complete. The link is ft.com slash nice advice. Um, And as well as people who've been using advisors for years, we're also keen to hear from people who've thought about getting an advisor, maybe gone to a few meetings, but have yet to actually choose one, whether that's because they find the costs off-putting or simply don't know where to find an advisor they can trust. Very interesting. Well, we have also added a twist with this survey in that you're also asking financial advisors what they think about their clients with the help of um, the FT Advisor magazine, which the FT also produces. Now, I know that we've got many advisors who listen to this podcast and read FT Money at the weekend. So give us a sense of what questions you'll be asking advisors. Yeah, so we're interested to know what questions their clients are most likely to ask at the moment. Um, We know that there are obviously a lot of worries about Brexit, the Mm -hmm. recent market turbulence, um, and as well as planning for the future. 
However, some advisors have already told us that the question clients are most likely to ask is how can I generate a 10% return on my investments without taking any risk at all? <laughs> well, that's a very honest uh, assessment. But then uh, are there other things that you want advisors to, to tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. We want to know what, if anything, advisors are doing to attract more female clients or to appeal to the next generation of clients, something that the wealth managers are very hot on at the moment. Mm. Well, we'll be intrigued to see what listeners who are clients and financial advisors um, have to say. Thanks very much there to Niku Asgari. And a reminder, the link to follow to complete either survey is ft.com slash nice advice. You have about two weeks to do so. I stress the comments are anonymous and your name won't be used in print unless you want us to do so. And everyone who completes the survey will be entered into a prize draw for three ft.com six-month subscriptions. The full terms and conditions are online at that link again, ft.com slash nice advice. Well, that's it from The Money Show this week. We'll be back next week with a budget podcast special. Don't forget the Chancellor will deliver his budget on a Monday this year in a break with tradition at the much later time of 3.30pm, which, as you may expect, is ruining the lives of newspaper journalists everywhere. For live updates on the day, you can follow us. Our Twitter handle is at FT Money. Do check our website, ft.com slash money, for what the announcements will mean for your personal finances. To get in touch with our editorial team and our panel of money experts, just send us an email. Our address is money at ft.com. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.